presented by Google. Good morning, Playbookers. I'm Playbook Editor Mike DeBonis. It's Monday, September 11th. And what's driving the day in Washington is the clock, which continues to tick-tock towards October 1st, when the federal government will shut down unless Congress can get its act together and figure out a short-term patch. We're going to start figuring out whether that's possible this week, with the House returning to town tomorrow after a six-week recess. Hardline conservative Republicans are threatening a rebellion unless spending is slashed and key policy priorities that Democrats vehemently oppose are written into appropriations legislation. The central figure in all this is House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who is facing conservative calls for his ouster if he does a deal with Democrats to keep the government open. You can read a whole lot more about this today in Politico, where our Sarah Ferris and Olivia Beavers have a deep dive on the rollicking currents that McCarthy is navigating, and in Playbook, where our Rachel Bade has even more, including an interview with one of McCarthy's toughest critics, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. And joining me now is Rachel to discuss this crazy month ahead. Hey, Rachel. Good morning, Mike. So let's start by talking about Kevin McCarthy. How exactly is he hoping to handle this month ahead, this this looming uh, shutdown deadline? What is he telling his members about what he is hoping will happen? So a few weeks ago, McCarthy encouraged his members on a call during August recess to hold all their major policy demands for later in the year. He basically suggested that Republicans need to pass a short-term CR to keep the government open on October 1st, and that later in the year, when they're actually marking up long-term spending bills, that's where to have, that's where they should be having those battles. The problem is that has not settled with a lot of conservatives. That is not going to be enough to keep them happy. And Last night, I was talking to Chip Roy, who obviously was a key player for McCarthy in helping him get the gavel, a Freedom Caucus member who opposed him at first, but then negotiated with him and brought along a whole bunch of votes to help McCarthy secure the speakership. And Roy told me that that's not going to fly. He basically argued that they should be using all their leverage including going to a shutdown. I asked him about political blowback, and if he's concerned about that, he said, sure, there'll be some, and, quote, I don't give a damn. My constituents, you know, will be with me 100% of the way. Um, so McCarthy, this is just one of the things McCarthy is going to have to deal with this month. Um, and I think it's noteworthy that Roy actually told McCarthy at some point in a recent conversation that if he doesn't stand and fight now— that he has no business being the leader of the Republican Party. And this is just one example of a threat to McCarthy's leadership that we're going to be seeing, you know, happen over and over again. Some some conservatives are making threats about the CR. Some are making threats about impeaching Biden. If, you know, if they don't impeach Biden, that they could try to oust McCarthy. And for other conservatives, they have other things on their mind. So it's going to be a really ugly month for the speaker. So, like, the first essential question that we need to answer in the next couple of weeks is, is this fight going to happen now or later? And McCarthy's on the side of let's punt it to later in the year, maybe early December. But this group of conservatives are saying, no, let's do this now. There's no reason to wait. And, you know, just to understand the political dynamics here, like, wh- where does their leverage come from? Why, did, why should we care what a couple dozen hard right conservative members think? Well, I mean, typically, if you look at, you know, government funding bills, CRs of the past, these guys never vote for these, right? And so usually, you know, leadership, Republican leadership included, will turn to Democrats to get the rest of the votes they need to pass something. 
but these conservatives, they feel like McCarthy made a lot of promises to them early in the year to get the gavel. He hasn't fulfilled them. They're still, you know, smarting over this debt ceiling deal he struck with the White House. And things are starting to boil over. One thing I heard over and over again last night was that when conservatives were back in their districts, they started to sense that sentiment around McCarthy was changing with their constituents. And I think that for a long time was why you didn't see motion to vacate threats hanging over McCarthy's head as much as perhaps we thought we would see earlier this year. But that's changing now. People are frustrated. They are frustrated about impeachment. They don't conservatives are hearing their constituents say no Ukraine funding at all. They don't care if it's paired with border, which is another thing McCarthy floated recently, this idea of pairing Ukraine funding with border changes to appease conservatives. They don't like that idea either. So now that they've heard from constituents, they're coming back to Washington, conservatives are feeling sort of emboldened. And the reason McCarthy has to heed them is because he likes his job and he wants his job. And if he doesn't listen to them, he might not be speaker for long. And and not only that, but I spoke to a top McCarthy ally last night, somebody who's been with him every step of the way, still is. Um, and this person said to me that McCarthy is not taking this seriously enough. Um, they're already hearing from members, people who like McCarthy, that like this threat is much more real than it was even back in June, um, right after the debt ceiling deal was agreed to. So... The fact that you're hearing this from McCarthy's sort of inner circle, people who are close with them, um, that shows like something really is underfoot here. Well, thank you, Rachel. We have 20 days until the shutdown deadline, and we're going to be watching closely. If you need me, I'll be on the Hill. And now for a program note. You'll notice some exciting new changes with Playbook and across Politico today as we redouble our commitment to providing the most distinctive, compelling, and comprehensive congressional coverage anywhere. Later today, Politico is launching Inside Congress Live, a new platform that will showcase buzzy, in-the-moment reporting and insights from Washington's biggest congressional reporting team. Look for it right on Politico's homepage. Also, Huddle, our long-running Hill newsletter, relaunches today with a new evening publication time and a mission to break news, explain the day, and set the table for tomorrow's action in the Capitol. And here at Playbook, we're expanding our attention to Congress for our morning audience. Besides Rachel's exclusive reporting and expert analysis, we're launching a new Three Things to Watch feature to help you understand the day ahead on Capitol Hill. Speaking of which, here's today's Three Things to Watch. With the House returning to action and impeachment talk rising among House conservatives, Democrats are starting their pushback with a 14-page rebuttal memo this morning from Congressman Jamie Raskin that calls the impeachment campaign against President Joe Biden, quote, a complete and total bust, unquote, and an attempt to distract from Donald Trump's legal issues. Two, the Senate is back this evening for a vote on a Department of Veterans Affairs nomination, but the action, as always, will be in the halls where senators are going to face fresh questions about Senator Tommy Tuberville's Pentagon nominee blockade, especially with the Joint Chiefs chair, General Mark Milley, just weeks away from retirement and the confirmation of his successor, General C.Q. Brown, in limbo. And three, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's crusade to crack down on artificial intelligence gets into high gear this week. On Wednesday, tech moguls Sam Altman, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, and Bill Gates 
are all scheduled to attend a private briefing for senators, and there's a trio of AI-themed hearings in Senate committees also this week. Follow Playbook for more on all of these stories. As for President Biden today, he's on his way back from Hanoi, Vietnam, where earlier today he met with Prime Minister Pam Min Chin and other dignitaries and also visited the John McCain Memorial in Hanoi. Later today, he'll land at Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson in Anchorage, Alaska, where he'll deliver remarks on the anniversary of 9-11 before returning to the White House late tonight. I'm Mike DeBonis. Thanks for listening. Today, there are more than 650,000 unfilled cybersecurity jobs in the U.S. The Google Cybersecurity Certificate was made to fill that gap. With hands-on training, recruitment support, and access to a wide network of employers, this program provides the necessary skills to begin a career in cybersecurity. Explore how Google is keeping more Americans safe online than anyone else at safety.google forward slash cyber workforce.